Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Amen. Let's take our seats. Wow, we've had an amazing week at Planet Shakers. Probably 11,000 people there on Friday night and uh, God did some amazing things. And uh, one of the guest speakers there was Sammy Rodriguez. I'd never heard of him before. But boy, when he hit the stage, it was like a volcano erupted. This guy carries a nation-shaking faith. And uh, he's a little short Latino American. And uh, he just pours out this river of life of God and just has an authority in the Spirit of God. And he really really stirred our hearts. And he spoke a very powerful message on Gideon. And it stirred my heart to have a look at that story again. So the last few days I've been looking at it again and it really has just passionately stirred my heart again. So we're going to have a look at that story of Gideon. And I love looking at characters in the Bible. Because when you look at people, you can identify with them. Last Sunday, at Easter Sunday, I talked about some of the people that were transformed by Jesus when he rose from the dead. Um, doubting Thomas and Peter that had betrayed Jesus and some of the others, how their lives were transformed. We're going to look at Gideon, an Old Testament judge and leader, and see how God transformed his life. Let's look at Judges chapter 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah, not Oprah, Oprah, that belonged to uh, Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, for a little bit of background for those who uh, don't know their Bible history, the Israelites were oppressed and they were being attacked each year by the Midianites and other enemies. And it says they would come and steal their crops of harvest at harvest time. I thought, whoa, God stirred my heart. And one of the themes for this next term is harvest. And I read that and I thought, the enemy will come and try and steal from you your harvest or at harvest time when we should be busy out winning people to Jesus and discipling people, the enemy will try and rob from you so that you can't focus on what he's called you to do. And that's exactly what happened. The enemies would come at harvest time, they would devour and steal their crops, and they would destroy and trample and burn up whatever was left. It said they would steal their sheep and their cattle and destroy them. And the enemy comes to steal from your lives and our lives. But I want to tell you, the Spirit of God will raise up a Gideon. He will raise up a church like Bayside Christian Church. He will raise up people to see the enemy broken and defeated. And that's what God came and spoke to Gideon. They had been disobeying God. So God sent a prophet to warn them to turn them back to the Lord. Or they would continue to be devastated and live with defeat and failure. 
So when God hears the cry of the people, Gideon is there in a wine press, hiding away from the Midianites. The Lord sends his angel to Gideon, who is threshing wheat in a wine press to escape the attention of the Midianites. You've got to realize that when they threshed the wheat, they didn't have the modern machinery, and they would bang it or shake it, usually out in the open field, and all the grain would fall down on a, a mat, and then they could gather the grain, and all the dust and husk would blow away. Can you imagine threshing wheat or grain in an enclosed tank, open tank basically what it was, a wine press, all the dust would have been coming in his eyes, all the, uh, all the husk and everything would have been filling his ears and it would have been itchy, probably his hay fever went crazy, he couldn't see properly and when the enemy blocks you up, what happens is when he stops you, he makes life really difficult and hard for you but when the Spirit of God comes, he comes to bring freedom for our lives. So Gideon's doing life hard, and so are all the people of Israel at that time. And it says, God comes to Gideon. So whenever God sees the need, he will come and speak to a person or a group of people for God to arise. They cried out. The prophet came, warned them. Don't even know the name of the prophet. Then God sends the angel to Gideon. He was so afraid, he felt that God had abandoned and failed him. And when God shows up to you and I, it's not to condemn, but it's always to bring release and a word of hope. That's how Jesus comes to our Lord. People think God's going to condemn me and judge me. He says in John 17, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save it through Jesus Christ. And the devil lies to us, and so people hold back from God. So we see in verse 12, the angel Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon certainly didn't feel like a mighty warrior with dust in his eyes and, uh, and uh, everything going on. He felt like a rejected, forgotten, beaten down and defeated man. He actually thought the angel was talking to someone else. He probably thought, well, hold on, the message bank in heaven got mixed up and he was supposed to go to someone else, not me. And he's probably looking around saying, who are you talking to? He realized he's the only one there. And so the angel didn't get the message mixed up. He came to speak truth to his heart and his life. Gideon's response is amazing. Sounds like you and I sometimes. Look at his response. The Lord says, the Lord's with you. Rise up, mighty warrior. Verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders and miracles that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Wow, what a list of excuses. How many buts and ifs and whys and whats have we complained to God when things don't work out and breakthrough doesn't happen? We're human. That's why I, look, I love looking at Gideon because he was so beaten down and discouraged and intimidated. So many live an intimidated life from the lies of the enemy. God says you can be free in Jesus' name. How do we see ourselves? Do we see ourselves a failure? Always struggling? A victim or a victor? Do we see ourselves a champion? A winner? Blessed and overflowing with life? Because that's who we are in Jesus Christ. 
You are a son or a daughter of God. You're a new creation in Christ. You are an overcomer. You're being transformed. You are God's treasured possession, he says in Malachi. And the enemy will lie to you that you've a failure, that you're not doing well enough, that you've been forgotten. See, he said God's abandoned us. He's forgotten us. How often does the enemy lie to us and we feel like that? But God wants us to arise and he will come and speak to your identity. You're taking notes. The first thing God does, he will start to speak about who you are. Because the devil and sin and our own negative thinking will always condemn, put ourselves down, say we're not good enough, we're failures or God's abandoned us. God will always come and speak to who you really are. So he prophetically says, rise up, mighty warrior. Gideon wasn't wasn't living out a mighty warrior lifestyle right then. But that's prophetically what the angel of the Lord said to him. Rise up, mighty warrior. That's what God says to you and I. You might feel like you're struggling. He looks and sees who you really are and what you're going to become. He speaks into that. And that's what we need to speak into our kids and our grandkids. That's what we need to speak into one another in the Lord. Don't condemn and tear down. Speak in prophetically of what they are and can be because that's how God wants to see us. That's the identity that he brings. And so the Spirit of God comes and challenges him and says, Rise up, mighty warrior. You're not a sinner, only you're a sinner saved by grace. Great is he that's within you than he that is in the world. You're no longer controlled by sin, addictions, failure, hurt and pain. Fill yourself with the truth from God's word. What is the truth? I must know who I am in Jesus Christ. What do you see in the mirror? Well, that's a bit of a scary thought first thing in the morning, isn't it? You look in the mirror and think, ah, oh, it's me. What do you see in the mirror of life? Many of us look in the mirror of other people's opinions. That determines their identity. They don't really believe in me. They've rejected me. Therefore, I'm a rejected person. Do we look in the mirror of popular opinion? Do we look in the mirror of the philosophies of this world that you've got to just wear the right clothes and you've got to say the right words and have the right education and material things? Or do we look into the mirror of God's word, as James 1 says, and see who we really are? That's why we come every Sunday and hear the word of God preached. That's why you open your Bible and do devotion. That's why we sing songs that are positive about who God is and who we are. They're not just nice songs. They are declarations of praise and thanks to God. And they lift our identity and understanding of who we really are in Jesus Christ. That's why we sing them with passion, with faith, with enthusiasm. Because God has called us to declare who we really are. Our identity is what the enemy comes to try and steal and rob and destroy. Remember when Jesus walked on the earth, they kept saying, whose authority? Who are you really? It was all about identity. The devil will come and try and steal your identity or your personhood. But in Christ, it gets restored and renewed and made whole. And prophetically, we live a lifestyle of freedom and grace and power. Because let me tell you, when we do that, there's a whole lot of people watching. There's a whole lot of people watching. And we've got to know who we are in Jesus Christ. Know who you are in Jesus. That's why we study the Word. We look at Bible characters. We let the Spirit of God speak truth into our souls. What do you dwell on? What do you think about? 
What is the self-talk going on inside of your head? Is it word-based self-talk? Is it spirit-led self-talk? Or is it the lies of the enemy and the feelings and the darkness and the, the junk that comes and tries to rob and steal from our souls? That's where the real identity happens inside of your mind and your heart and the Spirit of God is saying, you can overcome this. You don't need that addiction to try and sort out your life. You don't need other people's approval all the time to know who you really are. Oh God, we have got to be led by the Spirit and the Word of God. That's why the angel said, rise up mighty warrior. Rise up because God could see what he could be if he listened to the voice of God. We often allow others to define us. We sometimes allow our past or our flesh to define us. Jesus come from heaven to define how valuable and precious you are to him. On the, Christ, on the cross, Jesus Christ defined us. Wow. Wow. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, Jesus, help us to live like that. Get those words burned into your spirit and your heart. We need to live the life of Christ. Rise up with clarity and conviction on who Jesus is and who I am. We are the church, the bride of Christ. I am who I am, says the great I am. And we need to know and live in the power of that. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Wow, I used to be very shy and I used to always be wondering what people were thinking about me and it would cause me to just be terrified to speak publicly. God's had to do a number on me and over years he has set me free so now I live with freedom in my soul and rarely do I have to stop and think, wonder what they're thinking about that because God has set me free to be free indeed and I know the power of that because God has set me, give him praise, give him praise and God wants you to know that as well. He wants you to know the freedom that comes. Sammy Rodriguez that preached this message, he told the story of a few years ago. He was in America and God's given him favour with presidents and political leaders. And one time he gets a phone call from a friend and says, we want you to come and say a prayer at this huge gathering. 200,000 people gathered. It was a big political rally and, and uh, the, the TV cameras were there. So he jumps on the midnight flight, flies five hours, gets there. And when he gets there, the guy says, oh, things have changed. He says, what do you mean? I've flown five hours overnight to get here. He says, no, you can still pray, but things have changed. All the other religious groups now want to pray. So we've got the, uh, the Jews and the, and the Buddhists and the Hindus and the Muslims. They're all going to pray. He said, the only thing you've got is a choice whether you pray first or last. A quick prayer to heaven. He says, I'll pray last so I can fix up all the other things that they've said. <laughs> Good move. And then as, the, as it's moving to his part, He's starting to wrestle. Because he was going to pray a nice prayer of blessing over the nation and over the people. And God said, I want you to pray like you pray in church in front of your church. And he said, whoa, whoa, that's going to be a challenge. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let up on him. 
So when he gets up after everyone has said all their nice prayers and philosophy, and remember, this is not a religious meeting, so already the crowd's upset because they've had all these had to sit through all these prayers. They're wanting to hear the political and the community stuff that's happened. So they're all agitated already. And he's thinking, oh, I could just do it right and say a nice little prayer of blessing. Spirit of God says, no, you get up and pray like you normally pray. So he steps up. He's a little short Latino guy. <coughs> raises his voice. In the name of Jesus, it's above every other name. And he just goes for it for four and a half minutes, led by the Spirit of God. The power of God came loose in that place. Some people walked out. Others wouldn't even speak after he'd done. But the crowd stood and started cheering and clapping and yelling out praise to God because someone spoke the truth. Someone was prepared free enough to declare the truth that Jesus is Lord over that nation. And so the crowd rose and the power of God came and a whole lot of people joined his church after that because they said, you're the first Christian minister that's been prepared to stand up and speak the truth instead of bowed down by political correctness and trying to keep everyone happy. And this is what God started to stir Gideon to stand up and face the strongholds of darkness. There was idolatry all over that land. There were altars to Baal. There were Asherah poles everywhere, up on the hills where they worship. And this wasn't popular. Just like standing for Jesus sometimes isn't popular in some of our workplaces or in our nation or standing up for Christian values. It's not much different now in Australia to what it was back then. Let me tell you, the Spirit of God's going to raise up believers and churches right across this nation. The power of God's going to arise. God's stirring people's hearts. The Planet Shakers Church, they've got 13,000 people regularly going to church and their church is in Melbourne now. Some of you saw Hillsong last Easter Sunday. There were crowds spilling out everywhere in all their overflow halls. They had great big screens in their car parks for the thousands of people who showed up at church in Sydney and across Australia just for some of those services. Let me tell you, the Spirit of God's moving. There's a cry within humanity saying, we want someone who's going to speak and declare truth. Someone who's going to declare righteousness and not be bowed down by the lies of the enemy and the sin and the strongholds that are happening across our land. And let me tell you, God stirred my heart to be one of those that will stand up and speak the truth. Declare that Jesus is Lord. He's the only way, the truth and the life. And as a church, if we stand up and do what God's called us to do, we will see his amazing power released and demonstrated. So God spoke to his identity. Secondly, in verse 14, God comes back and speaks again. And look what he did. He ignored all of his, all of his excuses and all his reasons. Jesus, God didn't even address him. He heard him, but he didn't address him. He just went step two. Hey, I'll sort your identity out. Step into is I will give you the resources to do what I've told you to do. So verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, it's almost like God says, well, we'll turn away from all that rubbish. Let's look at the truth. Looked into his heart, turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and serve, save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God will go past our limitations, our excuses, and all of our reasons, all of our disappointments. He'll just say, hey, I've raised you up. I'm going to send you, and I'm going to go with you. So by the way, that's more than enough. You and God are a majority. But we've got to know that. You've got to know the authority you have in Jesus' name. God is drawing people's lives. In the first service, several people respond to Jesus. One lovely older gentleman down the back corner put his hand up, came out the front, Prayed for him, 
Dennis, and he said, do you remember me? And I looked at him and says, not really. We were just chatting briefly at the front. He says, you prayed for me two years ago in the hospital when I had a major operation. I don't think I was even asked to go and pray for him. I prayed for someone else, and he asked me to pray for him as I was walking out of the room. He showed up today and gave his heart to Jesus. Let me tell you, we've just got to be available to sow some seeds and speak the name of Jesus and share this good news we've got because there's a whole world around us desperately searching for answers. Just need some people that are prepared to step up and do what God has called us to do. So he says, go in the strength you have. And Gideon's thinking, whoa, hold on, you got the wrong guy again. Can't you see? I'm a failure. Look at his response. He said, I'm the, the least in his verse 15. Pardon me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. That's a load of rubbish. Bible scholars that have studied his line, he was actually a prince in that nation and he was a significant leader that should have been up setting his people free. He was so beaten down that he didn't see himself for who he really was. That is not true at all. Because when he blew the trumpet, all these people came to him. Why? Because he was a recognised prince in that land, but he'd been beaten down by all the junk that had come over his life. And God wants you and I to realise we don't have to be defeated. We don't have to be beaten down. We don't have to be bowed down under the pressure because God's causing you to arise. Get out of that place where you're beaten down by addiction and lies and disappointment and limitations of other people's opinions. God says, step up and be who I've called you to be. Be a man or woman of God, a son or a daughter of the king. He says, go in the strength you have. Whoa, what do you mean? Well, God says, I will give you the strength that you need. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11 says, Be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armour of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armour of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Wow, God has resourced you. His spirit comes within you and the spirit of God within you overflows you and that is more than enough for every other situation that's going on. We've got to realise the power of God within us makes us strong. Go in the strength that I give you. The Holy Spirit, his word is true. The name of Jesus is greater than any other name. We've got to learn to pray that, to sow it, to declare it. Not to be unwise or foolish with it. Don't do dumb or weird stuff, but be led by the Spirit and let the Word of God be exalted. Let truth be exalted. Second Peter 1.3, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. See as God sees, not just as we are naturally. Jesus comes to deal with our identity he then comes to speak to the resources that we have. Most of us look at what we don't have instead of what we have. That's human nature. The sin nature, I think, is just causes us to look at the negatives before the positives. You can have 10 people tell you great things and one will tell you a bad thing. Guess which one you remember when you go to bed that night? How, how silly are we? It's the sin nature that's stamped us. 
that God says, I'm going to stamp you again. I'm going to transform your mind. I'm going to stamp you with my image of Christ within you. Because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And that old negative thinking patterns, those limitations, God says, I want to stamp that out. And Gideon had to go through a process of being transformed in steps of faith to be released so that he could really step up and be that leader that God had called him to be. And God takes us on journeys. He takes us through situations. And he wants to see what's in your heart so that he can trust you with a greater outflow of his power and anointing. Some of the challenges that Pastor Doug was talking about are so that you know what's inside of you. So we know what's inside. Our church is going through stretchings and growings because God has called us to be a prophetic influence across our city and across this whole region. And God stirred me again while I was away at conference to not settle for where we are. Don't settle where we are because he's called us with a mission. In uh, verse 16... Once again, God ignored all of his excuses. Didn't even engage in them. Totally ignored them. Didn't ignore Gideon, but ignored all the wrong stuff because it's not worth going over most of the time. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. God then takes him on mission. So he speaks to your identity He will show the resources you have in him and then he'll give you a mission and purpose for your life. That's the journey that God takes us all on, individually and corporately. And I believe God is calling us with a mission to destroy the enemy and save people. I'll be with you. Go in the strength you have. Don't think about and dwell on what you don't have in Christ. We have everything we need. There's great power in the name of Jesus. Greater than any other name. Joshua 1.9, the Amplified says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed or intimidated. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God believes in you and trusts in you. He delights in you, his bride, his church. One of the other speakers that was there at the conference, Art Bischoff, is a South African preacher. Probably in his early 60s, a real father in the faith. When he stood up on stage, another volcano erupted. This man had authority in the spirit. Authority. He told the story at the leaders' uh, meeting in the afternoon, how that when he was a young man, he was out preaching. And four years into his ministry, he had two nights in a row, God visited him in his room. The first night, he had this, saw this big ravine, crowds of people dropping off the end into hell. He said it just so consumed his life. The next night, he had the same vision. This time, there was a big rock out over the ravine, and the, the roar of a lion cried out, Enough! Enough! And then people turned away from falling into hell. He said that was a long time before the Lion King movie came out. He didn't get it from there. It was Jesus crying out, someone's got to stand up and say enough, there's another way. So from that day on, he's preached the gospel, seen hundreds of thousands of people get saved. He's in a city of 380,000 people. 
there are 46,000 people in his church alone, apart from the other churches. That's well over 10% of the population are in his church alone. 46,000, they see 1,500 people every week come to Christ in that church and one of the churches he leads in Pretoria. I thought, God, it's time to enlarge. It's time to believe bigger. Because a few years ago, I was in, heard Jensen Franklin preach. He lives in Gainesville, Georgia. He's got a city of about 60,000 people, same as Harvey Bay. They've got 6,000 in their church alone, apart from the other churches. And, and God's touched their hearts. And so the Spirit of God got a hold of my heart even then, years ago, and said, you can have that in Harvey Bay. I'm thinking, wow, 10% of the population, that's 6,000 people. I'm thinking, wow. At that stage, we had a few hundred. But God, how are we going to do that? He said, it's okay, I will take you on a journey. While we're there this week, as Art Bishop's preaching, the Spirit of God says, don't forget what I told you. 10%, 6,000 people. And I thought, by the time we get there, it'll be 70,000, so it'll be 7,000. Because God spoke to Art Bishop, he's now got about 12 or 13%. So now God said, I want you to have 20% of the population in your church. So he's going for 20% now in his city alone. Because he said, we need a great revival. God's given a vision for 7 million souls in that nation in the next seven years because South Africa is in such dire straits politically and financially. It's, it's going to be destroyed soon, implode if they don't have a major revival. And God's raised him up as one of the leaders to just see, God, you can do it. So God has burned a passion in me again for 10% of our population in our church plus other churches. And you think, well, how can we do that? We've got hundreds at present, not thousands. God says, we're going to build that home for the harvest. He showed me that about 13 years ago that I had to build a building. And if you get a building that can seat 1,000 people, you have four or five serves over a weekend with 1,000 each, all of a sudden you've got four or 5,000 people. 6,000 is right there, very easy. And you have life groups and ministries happening all over the place. It's not impossible. But the challenge is, are we able to grow in here and here enough to believe for it? Now, I hear some people say, oh, that'll be too big. I won't have all my friends around me. Is that selfish thinking? Or is that kingdom thinking? Ouch. Because God's going to raise up people with kingdom thinking that are going to enjoy the journey and see his kingdom transform people's lives. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that what God says can happen. I'm prepared to step up and say, yes, Lord, you do what you want to do. But he's calling a Gideon. He's calling a church. He's calling people that are going to step up and just do it for his glory. And I believe God's positioning us with a vision and a kingdom that he's going to bring it to pass through you and I. And I just think, God, you are building your church. Worship team, come on up. I've only got to page two and I've got five pages. And that's only chapter six and I've got to do chapter seven as well. Tonight I'm going to pick it up and take a little bit further and then probably next Sunday morning I'll pick it up again because it's... When I started writing yesterday, I thought this is not going to be a one-sermon message because there's just way too much in there. But do you know what happened after that? I'll just show a couple of seeds and I'll expand it tonight and next week. God then talks to Gideon and says, I want you 
to go and build an altar of worship and praise. So he went and built an altar of worship and praise right in front of the altar that was to Baal. God didn't say, tear down the altar of Baal first. He said, I want you to build an altar of my presence in front of the powers of hell. I want you to build an altar of praise and worship and the name of God in front of the schemes of the enemy, the political correctness, the lies and darkness and deception and immorality of our nation right now. I want you to build an altar of worship and praise to our God in front of that stuff. (coughs) After he did, then God says, now because you've learnt to build this, I give you authority to tear down this. Often we want to tear down before we've got the authority to because we haven't learnt to build in the Spirit. Build in the Spirit, then God says, go and tear that down and go and chop down the Asherah pole that was on the mountain that his own father had sanctioned and built. He did it at night because he was afraid, but he did it. And that broke something over that city and began the deliverance of that nation. You've got to get it in God's order. He will deal with your identity first. He will tell you about his resources. He will give you the purpose and the mission. Then he'll teach you to build a place of praise and worship and truth in your soul and in our church. And let me tell you, the sound of the presence of God and of praise and worship and the word of God in this church is going to increase and increase. It's going to rise. There's a great hunger and people are searching for reality. The enemy's tried to rob some of you from this place. There's some of you are meant to be worshippers and leaders in this church and you've sat on the sidelines because the enemy has lied to you and you didn't think you were qualified or good enough. Let me tell you, the cross of Jesus has paid the price for your sin and God says you need to step up and step through those things that have tried to rip you off. Because God says you need to be a leader in the house of God. You need to serve in the house of God. Here to love people because he's planted you here and together we need to do this together. Those who know the end of the story, Gideon defeated him with 300. But that's a journey how they got there and we'll talk about that probably next week. Oh, Spirit of God's calling us to rise up in our soul. To shake off those things that have hindered you. Oh, And the Asherah pole, when he cut it down, God says, I want you to use the wood from the Asherah pole to fuel your next stage of worship. The very thing that's tried to destroy you if you let Jesus be Lord, he will turn that into the fuel to energize you for the next part of your season. Oh, I love God. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.